Welcome to the 8-Bit Bookmobile with your hosts, Carl Donowski, Chris Moyer, and me. I'm John Cook. Welcome to the second episode of the 8-Bit Bookmobile, everybody. How you guys doing today? Just imp- impressed you got the name right. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'll tell my version of the story and you can see, if you, see if I agree with, <laughs> with your guys' version. Uh, so yeah, we, we were talking about what we were going to name this uh, podcast when we were first discussing what it would be. We bounced a bunch of names back and forth, uh, and somehow one day just ended up on the name 8-Bit Book Club. And we just sort of ran with it, uh, and as we do, we didn't really plan anything or even Google the name at all, even once. <laughs> and of course, bought three domain names <laughs> to make sure that we have the number spelling, the number spelled out, the dash. You know, you got you got to cover all the bases here because I didn't want anybody to come in and swoop up this very valuable IP. Anyway, very thorough. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, three domain names, an entire website. Later, uh, had almost finished everything. Was was getting ready to push the button to to list it on iTunes when somebody who I let listen to it said, "Hey, I looked for your podcast on this other feed and I couldn't find yours. It just it was the other one that kept coming up." <laughs> Uh, the other one. The other one. The other one. Yeah. The one with you know fifty or sixty episodes <laughs> that has been going strong since two thousand and sixteen. That's that's the one. So I, you're familiar with it. Yeah, they uh, they've been around for two years. Uh, pretty successful and highly rated podcast that we probably <laughs> had any of us bothered but, to. Get you know. You know, when I, I look at what they're... Po- I, I got to tell you, I didn't really listen to it, but I read some descriptions of their episodes, and I, I think we really encompass the spirit of the name more so. than <laughs> I think we are more deserving of the name 8-Bit Book Ooh. Club um, than they are... More, I mean, more deserving. Just, a... I mean, because we're, you know, we're about 8-Bit... We're talking about 8-Bit processors, 8-Bit computers, we're not, to, and, and, and books associated with these, with these, and, and going through these old books, and, and we're not just reading World of Warcraft novels. Right. Um, nothing <laughs> wrong with World of Warcraft novels. Um, I like World of Warcraft and novels. Put them together. That's fantastic. But, yeah. Anyway, 8-Bit Book Club. But I, but I would, I would I, but, you know, my point was, and, you know, correct me if you're wrong. But I think that um, I think that what we should do is be respectful of someone who's put, you know, a group of guys have put a couple of years yeah. into this and they've done a lot of work. Yeah. And I, I think it would be kind of a, a dickish move, kind of mean, kind of, you know, it, it would be the zeitgeist, though, to do that. I mean, it would be like, well, ours is the best podcast. Which is a great segue to saying that and, we're keeping uh, the name. Oh, wait. No. Yeah. No, that's... no, <laughs> no, no, no. 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 So I want to I, I want to um, take back saying that we are more deserving of the name because I, I honestly I, I think the new name is way better. Um, right. And, al- and also their podcast is awesome. I did you know. I yeah, like I said, it's highly rated. Yeah. They've been doing it for two years, so it seems like whatever they're doing is working. So yeah, maybe I'll have to subscribe to their podcast. So the point of our podcast is there's possibly a better podcast that you should be listening to. Uh, that's actually called the Eight Bit Book Club. So, but if you don't want to listen to that, then uh, let's present. The eight bit bookmobile. What do you think? Beep beep. <laughs> I love it. It's dynamic because a a, a, a mobile yeah. a mobile is just so much better than a club. I mean, think about it. I mean, 
Do you guys have strong memories of the bookmobile as, as a kid? Like, yes, yeah, I do. Of course, so much. And I hope kids do today. <laughs> I mean, I have no idea if they do, but I, I hope they do today because the bookmobile, when it came to your neighborhood, yeah. and you could you know walk three streets over and, and yeah. get some books, it was amazing. Oh yeah, you come to the, the I got to tell you there, and I can still smell that van. Yeah, for sure. I got to tell you that that's done, guys. That's done. Yeah. Oh, is it? It's, it's all over my with my kids. <laughs> my kids. There's been no bookmobile mentions. Uh, at all uh, so so i loved it because did you just have the bookmobile come to your school or did you actually have one come to your neighborhood like to your to your home when you were a kid wow mine was the school yeah same here. i didn't know that they came to neighborhoods yeah so well the, the one that they had in, in hamilton would actually you know come to our neighborhood uh which was pretty awesome yeah yeah no we we, we didn't get that you fancy hamiltonians so let's talk about this book yeah i sweated my way through this thing um, uh, it's pretty enjoyable, although, you know, overall I will say, uh, man, the fact that we got anything out of this book, it's, <laughs> it's impressive because it's a pretty, it's a pretty quick throw into the pool, definitely on the deep end. To, to be fair, it even, it even mentions that. Yeah. It? Yeah, it does. You're it says, right. You know, this isn't. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's an excellent point. Um, and it also doesn't though, I will say, you know, even though it's, it's tough because it is a pretty pretty steep uh, cliff there. But it, it does do a really good job, I think, of getting you excited about it, especially early on in the uh, introduction part. Um, it really gets you amped up about what all you know, is going to be possible with your new computer that you just got. Um, uh, so, yeah, I, I feel like while it was you know, a bit steep uh, and, and certainly the, the size of the book is intimidating, you know, they did a good job, I think, of uh, uh, keeping you interested. I did notice in the early bits when they were talking about what all you could do with your Commodore 64, um, they had a, a pretty impressive lineup for such uh, a young industry uh, of support for, for such a computer. I mean, this definitely shows that Commodore was a, a very mature company by this point. So, re- so again, right out of the gate, they had a PowerPlay magazine, which was targeted at home users, uh, came out four times a year, and it was uh, cost $10 a year to subscribe. They had... Uh, Commodore Magazine, which was for quote-unquote technical users. I think it might have been like their, their business market uh, magazine. Uh, that was that came out bi-monthly for 15 bucks a year. Yeah, I remember there was even a magazine called Compute with an yeah. uh, exclamation point at the end. Yeah, yeah. And, and it handled, you know, it was basically about all systems. And then there was a sub-magazine called Compute's Gazette, which was dedicated, to, I believe, essentially to Commodore. Yeah, it was. Uh, in fact, I I don't I think I maybe one magazine I purchased of Compute itself, but I bought a ton of Compute's Gazette. Uh, they had a lot of good programming stuff in that one. That was definitely my favorite. I think overall, growing up, they had the <clears throat> the Commodore Information Network on CompuServe set up. If you had like questions that you needed answered <laughs> or anything, and a billion dollars. Yeah. So. I looked into this because when I first saw that they had Commodore Information Network on CompuServe, I was like, wow, that had to have been like super early in that uh, whole setup. And it turns out it was. That, that was the first um, you know, partner, I think, that CompuServe had, had signed on like that. It was a pretty interesting story. Um, hmm. So that network was created by one of the co-authors of this book, uh, Michael Tomchik, which is, oh. I guess, how he knew uh, to write about it. I guess he was probably working on that project. Um, and the whole deal that they set up with CompuServe was that Commodore received a portion of the revenue that was generated while the users were in that area of CompuServe. 
And I also read uh, that, you know, Michael Tomczyk set this up with interns from a school, uh, from a college. So he was paying interns, you know, probably minimum wage or less uh, to run the support line, basically, for Commodore computers and getting money to do so from CompuServe. Um, uh, The area on CompuServe, which, by the way, had the most traffic in 1982, the first check they got from CompuServe, the first check that Commodore got from CompuServe, was $36,000. Holy cow. (laughs) For running their support network on CompuServe. Like, think about that. That, That's amazing. (laughs) That's some genius uh, uh, business craftsmanship there. So good job, Michael Tomczyk. I also enjoy how in uh, in the book they talk about the Commodore Information Network, and then they have like a... Just like a, a, it's so minimal. It's like there's like a little box that like says the main menu description. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it literally is like the menu that you would see when you dialed in with your modem. It's just they just printed it out. I know, like a whole page was dedicated to that, right? I was shocked by that. Um, awkward. So, do you guys have any CompuServe memories? I mean, did you use yeah. CompuServe? Yeah. You did? Yep. So, when I got the Vic modem, yep. Um, which was the modem that plugged into the uh, user port and didn't have any dialing capabilities. You had to literally dial on the phone and take the take the uh, the cord out of the handset and plug it into the back. Um, when I first got it, you know, it, it has you know, hey, here, call CompuServe. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. So I did. I called the 800 number or whatever it was for CompuServe, plugged it in, and I saw immediately this, you know, ANSI graphics. Uh, uh, menu. I'm like, this is so amazing. <laughs> and then within seconds, not within minutes, realized this was a subscription based thing. You had to pay yes. for this. And, uh, and my dad was like, no. And, you know, <laughs> I had no ability to say, well, yes. So that was it. And then I discovered through word of mouth, um, not too much longer after that, uh, BBSs, which were yeah. free. So then I, I didn't go back to it because, you know, it was not going to, my dad was not going to pay for it. Where were you living at that time? Uh, I was living not too far from where I live now in Milford. Okay. Okay. I didn't know if there was a node here because I I lived in Southern Kentucky at this time. Um, And uh, yeah, we also bought a Vic modem. And I think I begged my parents to call long distance to the nearest node, which was 30 miles away in Bowling Green, Kentucky. Uh, (laughs) But I, but I, I and long distance, and, right? It was long distance on top of it, and I only did it because I got the coupon like you did from the Vic modem purchase. Um, yeah, but I don't think I connected directly to CompuServe. I think I connected to some other like relay service. I think it was like TimeNet or Telenet or one of those. I I, I don't remember which one, but there was there were a few of those mm. around at the time. Um, but yeah, CompuServe is an interesting service. Uh, that was probably before your time, Chris. I want to guess. Well, actually, no. Well, it was, it was before my time, but my dad, you know, being in early IT doing stuff, um, you know, when I was a, a young kid, mm. he, he used CompuServe. Mm. And, I, you know, I, I think he probably had his own account, but he also used it through work. Mm. And some of my first memories of uh, he, if him dialing in, into CompuServe and, uh, you know, going to some game archives. And as, as a kid, I was, you know, hey, let's get some more games. So... We would, you know, download little free DOS games, and, mm. and uh, you know, I, I don't know if he ever connected to CompuServe in the TRS-80 or if it was it was mainly when the I bet he did because 
um, the whole reason that CompuServe had like a, you know, a, a, a service that was for end users was because of Radio Shack. Uh, they were the ones that kind of convinced them to do that. It was called Micronet, I guess, when Radio Shack first did it um, in the late 70s. So it's crazy how this stuff <laughs> popped up. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. So while I did not use CompuServe, I sat in my dad's lap while he used CompuServe and begged him to download games. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yep. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, speaking of the Vic modem, uh, Carl, you know, that that's another pr- uh, project that Michael Tomchik headed up. I was reading about this as well. Um, so he was put in charge. They wanted to create a modem that was under $100. Um, uh, and, and that was, that was kind of Commodore's only goal. And, uh, he ran into some real problems getting it done reliably and cheaply enough, but it was kind of his idea to get rid of the acoustic coupler and do the direct plug-in. Um, so yeah, that, that guy is a pretty impressive engineer. <laughs> yeah. Which to me was smart, a smart decision because if you think about the coupler, I mean that, that you're, you're introducing, uh, more variables yep. there. You know, because you've got different, you know, loudness of the phone. You've got, you know, dirt and grime on the on the on the phone. I mean, it, it may not work right. right. So just by taking directly uh, the signal right into the modem, that was a smart idea. It also obviously made it smaller and lighter to ship. And yeah, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. The, the rubber gasket thing doesn't have to be there. Um, just one tiny little plug. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's brilliant. So, so this has got to be. Um... So, so you're talking about a, a a modem that you could actually plug a phone line directly into, no acoustic color. Right. So yep. Was this was this prior to the birth of the Hayes command set? So if I, was, you know, I think it's right about the exact same time because I I don't remember if that one was Hayes compatible, but I think that it was. I, I I I don't think I I really think it literally just had a switch and a light like and it, and it yeah because well. I, I might be wrong. My memory is, I didn't, I should Google it, but <clears throat> I do remember. So it wasn't the phone jack line. Okay. So like you didn't plug what you plugged into the phone from the wall. You plugged in the handsets, mm. the, the smaller, it's not even an RJ 11. It's like a smaller one. You'd plug that into it. And after you dialed, mm, okay. so because it had no, it had no ability yeah. to dial or make right. pulses okay. or anything. So. so there's no ATDT. That's nope. that's right. Okay, that's you it know was, what? Yeah, you're totally right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, you you dialed. Right. You yeah. dialed the phone, yeah. and then when you heard the noise in your ear, you'd have <laughs> right. to move it right. down, oh and you gosh. had to do it quickly. I, I tell you, you had to be you had to be pretty uh, <laughs> pretty dexterous in the '80s <laughs> uh, to yeah. survive. Yeah. <laughs> and you just had to figure this shit out as quickly yeah. as you could. I mean, there was just no help. It wasn't like you get online and figure. Well, out what there was do. literally nothing you to do. To, so. <laughs> Yeah, you had to figure out that, you know. You didn't have to set, set your parody or your stop bit? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Eight and one. <laughs> I remember that. That's right. <laughs> 300 baud, and you can literally just watch it fucking yeah. type. I mean, it was like, you can probably type faster at this point. So, so yeah, uh, after, yeah, I talked about the what all you could do with your Commodore 64 and the CompuServe and the modem. Yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty interesting intro. Oh, I did also uh, notice that they mentioned um, the easy line of, of business software. And uh, Carl, I was wondering if, uh, if Rich Earl, if he used EasyScript uh, when he was cheating with his margins and line spacing. <laughs> do you think that's, <laughs> I think that was, I think that was probably, <laughs> right, it. well, 
See, this book is already <laughs> sparking old memories. You know, another thing I, I just thought was pretty interesting when I was looking through that, that uh, introduction section, and they did talk about having uh, a number of types of applications that were available. Yeah. And they, when they talked about the Commodore PowerPlay and the Com Commodore Information Network. And one thing I thought that was fascinating was that there was an application called uh, that they actually – you know, advertise here called babysitting. The Commodore 64 <laughs> home babysitter cartridge can keep your youngest child occupied for hours and teach alphabet slash keyboard recognition at the same time. Mm. You know, so keep your child occupied. For, so talk about the original screen time. <laughs> yeah, you know. right. Yeah, that's the. Right, yeah, just. <laughs> you could probably get in a lot less trouble on a Commodore 64 <laughs> than uh, with your average Chromebook. But, that uh, should be their tagline. <laughs> less trouble than a Chromebook. <laughs> you can get a lot less trouble on a Commodore 64. <laughs> I think, um, just getting back to the book for a second, I think that what's pretty great about this book is, you know, it's chapter one just starts out like a computer science course. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, it's talking about math and, you know, integers, floating points. Um, you yeah. know, the stuff in there, I don't, re I don't remember some of this terminology, you know. I mean, it, you know, the mantissa, you know. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's what that's called. Okay, cool. No, I um, agree. I, I was like amazed by the audacity that this book had to assume so much, but by the same token, I also really appreciated it that, you know, this, this thing isn't going to hold your hand the whole way. You know, you may need a dictionary on hand if you're yeah, younger. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it is relevant to do this. I mean, they yeah. having a hierarchy of operations, which yeah. I've already failed at, um, <laughs> And should have just referred to page 15 of this fucking book. Because um, later on, um, yeah, there was, a, as, a side, um, as an aside here, um, uh, listeners, um, I was trying, I was trying to, to do some programming, and I could not, and, and um, essentially, I noticed in the book, you'll notice this in the book a lot, instead of um, uh, simply assigning, um, and maybe you can explain why they do this, other than maybe I just don't get it. But instead of simply assigning a value to uh, a memory location with the registers, they often look to see what it is and then combine it with another value to produce another value. Yeah. Um, I don't know why that well, is. Maybe you can yes. explain that to me. So I can explain that. So that's uh, Thank you. What, what the dumb nerds uh, call bit masking. Yeah. Um, so that's where if you... So the Commodore 64 integers are actually, I think they're 16 bits long, right? Um, so if you want to set, so let's say that there's a certain part of that memory location and, and, and it, let's say it's a byte and, and four bits of that byte are gonna be interpreted for one particular variable and the other four bits are gonna be interpreted for a different variable or, or some other setting in memory. Um, so you only wanna say set, for instance, the higher four bits and not the lower four bits. So you're, you're sort of like overlaying the values that you're changing over top of uh, the values that are already there. So you want to preserve some of those bits you don't because you're not trying to set those because God knows what those are mapped to. <laughs> um, okay, wow. that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. So you're, you're sharing sharing integers. You're sharing, yeah, yeah a byte. Yeah, and that's something right. else. And, so maybe now, you got the high nibble or something. So yep. yeah. Now that makes sense because I've seen that, you know, and I didn't think about, well, I couldn't probably do this without blasting the whole thing away. Right. So that makes sense. You could do an effect what you want to do, which is great, but how do you know that something else isn't looking at those, um, right. those yeah. bits? So yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, you may not so, even be aware of where those 
that nibble is mapped to somewhere else in the system. So yeah. Yeah. So basically, yeah. So I was trying to figure one of these things out, and I had my, I had my, uh, you know, my uh, Apple Numbers spreadsheet going, where I have, um, you know, my eight bits, and I'm flat, I'm toggling my eight bits with my spreadsheet to, yeah. you know, which I would have done with a pencil and paper in the old days, but, yep. but doing it with that is really convenient. And I was, I could not, I was like, why is the number I'm getting wrong? What is, what am I doing wrong? I'm like, oh, when John's like, yeah. well, well, order of operations. I'm like, fuck. Yeah. Page 15. <laughs> so yeah, after the intro, uh, I dove right into um, chapter one, the basic programming rules. Um, and right away it started explaining what is basically the operating system of the Commodore 64. Um, I didn't realize that there were, I knew that there was like a, a kernel ROM and then there was a basic ROM and that they, you know, sort of coexisted on that same chip. But I, I didn't really realize that, that there was a separation. There was a, there's the kernel, there's the basic interpreter itself, but then there's also the screen editor that is a, a third thing. And it sort of talks back and forth mm. between the screen and the kernel. So it'll, in, it seems like it's, it's scanning what's coming in. And if it thinks it's basic, it'll hand it to basic. And if it thinks it's something that the kernel needs to know about, It'll give it to the kernel. So that's that's pretty interesting. Uh, that may be where Curl's calculator lives. I don't know. Another interesting tidbit was about, it talks about the keyboard buffer. Um, first of all, I'm surprised there is a keyboard buffer <laughs> at all. Uh, it holds up to 10 characters. Um, and I uh, later on in Chapter 2, it talked about how that is, uh, the memory is allocated by the kernel. Um, and the kernel handles that buffer itself. So it's not like a hardware buffer. Uh, it is a software. Kernel. Yeah, the kernel. Correct. <laughs> Here's a funny factoid about uh, <laughs> Commodore Basic. Uh, the variable names can be as long as you want, and I tested this. So the longest, <laughs> the longest uh, statement that you can make in Commodore Basic is 80 characters long, and that includes the line number. Right. So I just used direct mode, right. and I used a variable name that was 78 characters long, with the equal sign, <laughs> and then like the number equals five one or one or whatever. Yeah. Right. And it's true. It accepted it. And then when I typed it all back out, <laughs> when I printed it, it gave me the value. So that's amazing. However, only the fr- only the first two characters are relevant. So if you have a if you have a variable name A A A and a variable name A A B, those are the same variable. The same. Wow. I love it. <laughs> wow. So I think also pretty interesting about the Commodore is something that has been lost, um, right? Is like there was a pie, um, a pie key. Yeah. Fucking pie. Right. It's a key for pie. And you type, you can use it in a formula. You can say, you know, four pie plus three, you know, whatever. You're trying to do, figure out some kind of curves or something. There it is. How convenient is that? So. Was it actually just handled by the interpreter and replaced with the yep. you know, the real number value? Okay. Wow. Yeah, they actually had a hard-coded value in the ROM. Yeah. Wow. Well, and I will also say, too, I was kind of blown away at how many functions there were for doing trigonometry. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm still a little bit flummoxed by that. Like, you know, you could derive these things, and how often do you need them, especially considering the fact there are no basic commands for doing anything with graphics. So unless you're building a targeting computer or something, I don't know how useful that's going to be. Well, and to, so Chris, I mean, what, what he said is accurate. There's no like, there's no like graphic command that says like draw a line, right. you know, 
line, circle. Right. Everything is through poke commands and uh, uh, to to do graphics. Yeah, you'd have to just sort of figure out yeah what locations you'd have to draw the quote unquote pixels on and <laughs> and do it yourself. Right. Yeah. I do remember yeah, the I... Commodore One Twenty Eight had some some graphics commands, but um, yep. Yeah, obviously that not going to be covered in this book. Yeah, it reminds me a lot. There was a there was a graphics mode on the PC in VGA graphics called Mode Ten Graphics that. Um, forget the guy's name that, that made it so popular but but yeah you would actually just l- literally write you know color to mm. to to memory so you would it was a memory map section and you would just you know you know write the colors to memory but still i think you know you were dealing like with this. with pixel level stuff and the pixels i think were much smaller right than yeah we're still in character yeah. mode at this point in the book yeah right yeah but the, yeah of course you can drop down into you know addressing I think it's 320 by 240 is the, the grid of pixels. Maybe yeah, I don't I don't remember for sure. In 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 monochrome, mm-hmm. and then and then there's a, it drops down when you get color. Yeah. Yep. So, but we're, we're, we're I keep I keep bringing us to chapter three. I, <laughs> well, I, and it's just like when I was a kid. It's, this is what yeah. happened when I got this book when I was a kid. I was like, "What the fuck is all this? I just want to know how to move like a cool thing across the screen." And I just jumped right into sprites, yeah, <laughs> and not understanding what the fuck I was doing with anything else. And that was very frustrating to do. So, and here I am doing it again, almost. <laughs> yeah, I, I will say. I mean, I spent a, a lot of time just writing little, I don't know, sample programs for myself uh, after I finished chapter two. And and I have actually myself also gone a little bit ahead and messed around too. And and I will say, yeah, the later chapters get way more fun than these early chapters. Uh, yeah, not not a ton of fun. Because uh, I, I so after I finished chapter two, I tried to write like do some graphic stuff with using uh, pure basics. So that was no pokes. That was my personal rule that I set up. <laughs> and uh, that was very stupid because <laughs> it is so slow and, man, impossible. Oh, just positioning the cursor, just using that weird quote mode that Commodore has. Um, yeah, it's all, all characters. Yeah. yeah, it's all it's all like, um, yeah, you can. And, and Chris, the, the quote <laughs> mode in Commodore means. Good luck explaining you, this, by the way. Yeah, you, ty- yeah, you type you type a you type a print command, you know, yeah. which of course prints something on the screen. And then when you put the when you when you type quotes, it the screen editor is now okay, cool. So type in your words, but if you type um, if you use any of the other keys on the keyboard, like the arrows mm-hmm. or shift arrow or the insert key or all these other keys. It literally draw it, it. It it shows you a little graphic, like there's an arrow graphic or a left graphic or sure, a yeah. or a weird character, and all of those things are then interpreted. Mm-hmm. So you can you can type something where you've got the arrow moving around, and then when you hit go, it literally is moving the cursor all over the screen. Yeah, it's so it's really yeah, bizarre. You can, you can do rudimentary. You can do really rudimentary animation. Yeah, doing that. and I did. I did that, uh, yeah, and it sucks because there's no there's nowhere in this basic that you can actually position the cursor anywhere. So if yeah. if you do want to say on the you know say the fifteenth line you want and say the I don't know the the fifteenth column you wanted to start writing, well you literally gotta 
<laughs> down arrow 15 times and then right arrow 15 times. And you have to know where you are, right? Or yeah, like, then, yeah, yeah, right. You got to remember because it's stateful, right? Because the cursor yeah. is where it is. Um, and of course, if you go off the edge, you start on the other side. So, you know, you got to keep track of exactly where you're at. Well, hey, so one thing I think that, you know, if, if, if anybody listening isn't familiar and, and didn't have a Commodore 64, like I never had a Commodore 64, I had a Victoria. Right. Uh, and, and even then, I was too young to really recall what it was like to use the, the thing. But uh, let's just talk about the cursor keys on the Commodore <laughs> 64 keyboard. Because I think that's important when you talk yeah. about having to do left and right and up mm -hmm. and down. Like, uh, right. you know, what exactly were you dealing with? Because I, I've seen a picture and uh, yeah. and I'm mortified. Well, completely mortified. So there's, there's two cursor keys. Uh, one is horizontal, one's vertical, basically. So... Uh, so for up down it goes down normally unless you hit shift and then it goes up and you know right left for for the vertical or horizontal. Oh my gosh. Um, well, I, I, I so I I would love for you to use a Commodore sixty four because I don't know if my muscle memory kicked in or something because yeah it was about ten seconds for me and I was I was not even paying attention to it. I was the same way. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, huh. but yeah. yeah. So I, but I would love to see if you <laughs> could adapt. It would be it, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I think you do. I think you get it after a few, you know. Either that, or but we I think just it's remember. like maybe it's. Know. Yeah, I think it's like one of those things. Like you know, they say like kids pick up foreign languages really fast. I think it's the same thing. Mm -hmm. We were young, right. and we really just it just it just went into our brains pretty quick. Yeah. Right now, you'd be like, "Oh my god, screw this." <laughs> that's why I'd love to know because. Uh, yeah, that's what we got to see. Yeah, that would be interesting. <laughs> we, but we, we have to. The problem is we have to get Chris around a piece of vintage yeah, it's not gonna... Commodore hardware and he has a, like a real it's like garlic to a vampire man right yeah it's like you're bringing in like a it's like you're walking in his house with a with a shoe that you just stepped in some dog shit <laughs> you, you just go. see it he's like he's like what's that what is that it's a Commodore 64 Please. why don't you use that go please? outside please leave <laughs> You can virtualize it on an Arduino. Why do you need? This, why, do you, why do you need this big piece this big, of plastic and this, this ugly plastic? It's just it's so unappealing. These capacitors are going to burn my house down. Well, that's 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 a legit concern. Maybe that's a real concern. Yeah. So you know, as, as somebody who didn't really use the Commodore sixty four, and and you know, there, there might be people listening who. Uh, you know, they use computers later, but but what what was it like? What is it like to write a program? Well, I mean, what what is what is the the user experience of bringing up? You know, you you boot the thing up. Yeah. What happens? What do you see? And then if you want to type a program, you know, how does that work and how do you run it? I mean, just for for people that haven't done it, maybe yeah. that would be a good. I've done a lot of it recently, so I think I could I could outline the experience. So you you turn it on and you're in basic. So you know, basically it says you know Commodore sixty four version number then however many bytes are free and then it just says ready and the cursor is looking at you there okay. um, so, so you're, you got you have some sort of like interactive session yeah with I, you're basically basic in a you're in a basic REPL uh, if you're familiar with that concept which is what does it read execute something loop anyway basically you're, you're sitting in an interpreter so if you type in you know uh, print hello it'll just write the string hello on the next line um, see and that's what confused me when I when, the first time I saw an apple I'm like I turned it on. It was just it was just this bracket. I'm like, what the fuck is this? And like it wasn't doing anything. Yeah. Oh, you have to load, right? Didn't you have to load? I believe Apple um, has a DOS, right? DOS, and then then you can load Basic. Oh man, I don't know. I, I think that's I didn't right. Have an Apple until we. I am not we get that familiar uh, with the Apple's line. I, I do intend to get there one day, but but not not right now. 
See season two. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> when we cover Assembly Lines, the book, A Beginner's Guide to 6502 Programming on the Apple II. So I guess because you're in the basic interpreter, right? So yep. you can run a program and then you can, you know, that when that program completes running, you're back into the basic interpreter. All of the variables that are in memory are still in memory, right? So, well, uh, yep. I mean, you're not really back in the basic interpreter, right? Because the screen editor is in control of everything. Okay, so you're in the so, screen editor. And, and all the memory is still hot. I mean, you haven't unplugged it, so it's still there. So if, you know, there's actually some pins you can actually short on the, I think it's on the cartridge port, where you can reset the 64. So even if you get in like a hung state, it'll bring you back to the screen editor, at least interpreting your commands again. But the memory is still intact, um, so you're still able to inspect things. Um, pretty, pretty neat side effect of the system. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, we're still gonna have to like go over exactly what the screen editor is and how it interacts <laughs> with the interpreter because it, it's so it's so foreign to like a, a modern yeah. operating system user that. Uh, well, so let me describe it a little bit. You know you. As you're editing your program or whatever, or even if you're not even editing a program, if you're just, once you get dumped into the, the basic, um, you know, the, the screen editor when you first turn on the computer, you know, you're just navigating all over that um, 40 by 25 grid, but you're not like actually paging through until you hit enter, so you're actually doing something. Uh, but that screen editor is just 40 by 25, so if you wanted to change line 10, you would just list your program, then you would navigate up to line 10. 10 and then he would make changes and hit enter again and it would accept that as input um okay yep. it's very yeah different. the 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 key to everything is the return key yeah when you hit the return key whatever um row your cursor is on it 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 reads it reads oh, it huh. the yeah. basic interpreter picks it up yeah and I think it does two lines, right? It's like the the row and then the row below it. If those eighty columns, uh, yeah. If yeah, if, if that line, if that line continues. Now, how yeah. it knows that, I am, yeah, I'm a little bit neat. confused by that. I because I, I don't know how it knows to wrap around. Um, yeah. So like, yeah. So like when the computer starts, it it has, it's like, hi, I'm you know the Commodore. You know, here's the copyright, the memory I have. Yep. That's just on the screen. You can go up and you can start typing over yeah, it. Yeah, if you want to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's really and weird. Then, yeah, and it's and then interestingly, too, when you uh, interact with the disk drive, um, you load, um, um, you type a load, it quotes, dollar sign, comma, eight, and that literally just loads like a program in BASIC. Yeah, isn't that weird? Because when you, when you do the list... And I would love to know how this works. When you do the list, it shows you the contents of the disk that you just loaded, like you said. But the size on the left in blocks, those are out of order from how you would normally list your basic program. I don't quite get that. Yeah, because, yeah, you can have many line 20s. I figured right. this out the other there day. There must be some hidden field somewhere that's special about that listing that is telling it the order. Because you can set the order, uh, I know, on a on a on the disc you can set the order because i remember doing See, that and that's kid. where that so yeah and if you remember that new command i was talking about a second mm. ago where it clear cleans out the program that's oh, very right. important to do if you've just did it if you just looked at the disc and then you start typing a basic program <laughs> now you have a mix of a basic program mm. and your directory of your disc yeah that's actually yeah that's a good point because yeah you know which is a pain in the 30 ass 30 minutes later you do a list and you go oh my god what's all this garbage uh yeah. right or line 638 <laughs> uh 
you know, blocks free. You know, like, wait, it, it, it crashes. You're like, what? Oh. <laughs> so, yeah. It's fun. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's fun to do this. And one thing I'd like to figure out is um, an emulator that has a virtual Commodore keyboard would be really handy. Yeah. yeah. I ran into that with Vice. Yeah, it needs it. Because <laughs> I'm like, this sucks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Because I, I I wanted to, I wanted I wish I wanted to use that pie. I was messing around with some trigonometry today actually, um, because I want to figure out a way. Because I don't I want to figure out a way to make um, something move around in a more you know advanced way than what I'm doing. Yeah, <laughs> you saw a part of my program where I'm just like I'm doing a couple of nested loops yeah. and like setting a flag and a bit and you know. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to do it in a little cooler way, and I started doing that. I'm like, and to figure out which one was pie. I just started pressing keys for a while. And then, oh, there it is. Wow. So, like, interestingly, uh, option P on the Mac keyboard will give you pi. But uh, oh. I wonder if you hit option P while you're in the emulator. Is that like uh, I'd almost guarantee you it wouldn't work. It wouldn't work. <laughs> so, so does anybody sell, and, and would this be interesting at all, to have a uh, like a USB Commodore 64 keyboard that um, – mapped inside the emulator to be like an actual Commodore 64 keyboard. Um, John would buy that. Well, there's a, there's a product called the Kira uh, that you can plug See, in. See, he already knows about you, it. You plug the Commodore 64 keyboard into it, and it has USB out and goes to your computer. So you can just He already it. has one. He's holding it up on the screen right now. There it is. <laughs> no, because the, the I'll tell you what. The, I'm a keyboard nerd, uh, and so right. the keyboard <laughs> that comes with the 64 is a very disappointing... <laughs> oh. heavy-handed bastard to, oh it is horrible yeah i think i think going back and using these old commodore keyboards i'm like holy shit yeah. no way i wasn't really a bad typer it was this fucking right. keyboard it, i mean you could not type fast on it. it's impossible it requires a meaty palm that's for sure <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's not like what is it called it's like not a full throw or something or there's something. It's just so springy. Yeah, it's pretty. And awful. no, and it's wobbly. Yeah, yeah. Even I think even knew they were like that, right? Yeah, oh yeah, definitely. They were they're, just they're springy, yeah. wobbly keys. Yeah. So could somebody just make like a USB keyboard with a Commodore layout? I mean, it doesn't have to be the yeah. original keys, oh, but yeah. but like you know, like the same layout, the same keys, the same. Yeah. You know, blah, and then and then why not plug that into your PC or Mac and just yeah. you know. For that to only really be used during while you're working with the emulator, I think uh, hmm. clearly there's an untapped market here that you could sell probably dozens of these. Dozens. <laughs> <laughs> you stand to make tens of dollars. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a there's a guy on the the website uh, Breadbox sixty four. Um, he makes new. Uh, mechanical keyboards so cherry mx switch compatible mechanical keyboards for the 64 which is kind of like the opposite of what you're saying uh it's it's basically it just replaces the very shitty um uh built-in commerce 64 keyboard so i, I have one of those and i love it i highly recommend it but i will but i will say speaking of the tens of dollars and dozens of uh sales i mean he's only sold a few rounds of these and i think he's getting ready to stop production so uh get your order in quick <laughs> so that's useful if you wanted to replace the uh so if you had a working original or or new yeah. uh commodore 64 and you wanted to replace the garbage 
yeah, vintage yeah. keyboard with uh, like a replacement mm. mechanical keyboard. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and that's what I did. And you know, it's it's a specialized thing. I'm like I said, I'm a keyboard nerd, so it was worth it to me. But it's not cheap. One of the things about you know, so chapter two, right? I mean, yeah. one of the things about chapter two is just the the, the available commands and basic are are pretty you know great. I mean, yeah. you, I mean, yes, you. I mean, to do a lot of uh, amazing things, you probably have to get down into machine language. But if it, I mean, t- correct me if I'm wrong. If it wasn't for the fact that you have, you know, you'll have so much memory to type in all these giant commands, mm-hmm. you could achieve basically everything through basic because of the poke command. Well, yeah, that's kind of a cheat, but yeah, but still, you're right, though, yeah. But you'd run out of memory soon, you know, too yeah. fast, you know. You just <laughs> yeah. Now, I do, I do think to do, like, uh, uh, moving the cursor around, I think you might have to make syscalls to the ROM. I'm not 100% sure. But that would still be, you know, like you say, legit basic. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, that, that's actually very true. In fact, the more I use the 64, I think really the language itself doesn't matter so much. I'm actually becoming less intimidated by machine language the more basic I do because I'm starting to realize – this is way more about learning the machine and way less about learning the language. Um, I, I think by the end of this, I think the memory map is going to be burned into my head. And that's kind of, that's what you need to do to program a Commodore 64. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, you need, yeah, you definitely need a poster or something Yeah. Um, off to the side or multiple right. monitors where you have it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, because, you know, flipping through the books a pain um, in, another, in another window. Um, so I will say that... Um, you know, this 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 is really this this language is very married to mm. this hardware. Oh yeah, right. I mean, it's not <laughs> well. The quote mode is a great example, right? I mean, that's right. Super specific yeah. to the sixty four. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So when you say this language, you mean you mean the the flavor of basic running? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's obviously commonality here, but you know, I mean, it will be it will be super interesting because honestly, I've never used basic other than Visual Basic. Uh, from on any other computer, definitely no other. Really? Oh, come on, so Gor- gorilla! You never played Gorillas. Bas. <laughs> well, come basic. on, I was I was that guy basic. that went from an Amiga to like Windows ninety five. So I skipped everything before ninety five. Oh my gosh! Um, so no, I was never really Gorilla. Base guy. Sorry. See, that's funny because <laughs> I cut my teeth on uh, well, first programming basic on the TRS eighty, but then jumping to. Uh, the IBM PC, where my dad was doing a lot of uh, development in uh, in Basic A, you know, because they, they actually had like line line Basic, you know, with line numbers right. on on the PC, uh, you know, Microsoft Basic. It was I think the interpreter was called Basic A, and then there was mm-hmm. Quick Basic, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. was like a, a way more advanced thing, and then there was like the Q Basic interpreter that was like came for free, but like Quick Basic was like a more advanced like full featured desktop environment so mm-hmm. yeah i had to use a lot of that so one thing you know in uh, the pc too and then i did a lot of stuff in pascal and in pascal you could really easily at least at least with turbo pascal you could really easily uh do some inline assembler yeah and, that's and true actually uh like embed machine language you know bits of code where you're executing instructions on registers and memory locations actually embedded in there so it sounds like you could not do that kind of stuff with basic on the Commodore? Yeah, you can't really do uh, inline assembly like that. Um, in fact, uh, you mentioned the inline assembly. Um, recently, I've been listening to an older podcast uh, by a guy in the retro scene named Earl Evans. 
Um, you, you hear him a lot on the Retro Computing Roundtable, which I highly recommend. That's probably my favorite podcast all around. Man, there's Earls all over this podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah. This, this is not the same <laughs> Earl as Rich Earl. How do, are we sure? <laughs> Who had the waterbed. Um, <laughs> sack of water. <laughs> a big bag. Um, anyway, he did for a brief time. He was doing a, a, an eight-bit programming um, podcast called Next Without Four, which was in a lot of ways the inspiration for this podcast. Um, but anyway, I was listening to one of his recently where he was talking about uh, writing Pascal for the CPM uh, operating system. There's a if you guys remember that, but that that version of Pascal they could not do inline. Well, they could do inline assembly, but Turbo Pascal was not uh, an assembler. So you had to sort of like go assemble that into the opcodes yourself and then sort of, I don't know how you would link it into your, to, to the section where you dropped into assembly. But I, yeah, I also used um, Turbo Pascal uh, when I was at college and did that. In fact, a little bit um, as part of my job, I used Delphi, which was uh, basically visual Pascal. Um, did you, and, and you, did you use that, inline right? assembler when you were using Delphi? I, I really did, yeah. Uh, we had a few super wow. tight loops for things we needed to optimize, and yeah, we dropped oh into assemblers. So yeah, huh. yeah. Wow. Yeah. You guys are nerds. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are nerds. Yeah. 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 Legit. I guess. Yeah, I'm actually. I'm impressed. I don't know that I've ever been paid to write assemblies. So. That's the only only chance I had. All right. Uh, anything else? Um, oh, I guess I'll mention real quick. Uh, the they mentioned load chaining in there. I thought was interesting. Um, where you can you can at the end of your program you can load another program off disk, and at the end of that program you could load a, yet another program. So if you wanted to sort of, you know, it, it actually does keep con continues to execute as you load in a basic program. I thought that was pretty cool. That is a cool feature. Yeah. So That's can you good. can you create a loop? Uh, yeah, you could. Oh, like a cyclic dependent. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right, guys. Oh yeah, I think Carlos has got to go, but I think we're pretty much. Uh... Oh wait, what chapter? All chapter right. three? We got to say that first. Yes. All of chapter three. Oh man. Chapter three. No, it, it's let's do like half a chapter three. Yeah, let's do like chapter three is enormous. It is. Let's do up up two sprites. What do you think about that? Oh, perfect. Right. I'm ready to talk about it right now. <laughs> <laughs> All, right. All right. I'll see you guys. Nice. Bye. See you guys. Bye.